Welcome to Frontline Defenders Rights on the Line podcast, presenting the voices, perspectives, and experiences of human rights defenders at risk and focusing on human rights issues across the globe. is a grassroots movement of Powashek dwellers in Durban and other parts of South Africa advocating for the rights of people living in checks, including access to decent housing, services, and education. Since their inception, leaders of the fast-growing movement, with a member base of up to 100,000, have been targeted and sadly killed. In the last two weeks, two leaders were again murdered, bringing the number of human rights defenders killed in the movement to over 20. 30-year-old activist Ayanda Ngila was gunned down while tending to a communal garden in Crater Crest. He was a branch chairperson at the time of his murder. Shortly after, Bongomu Sasiabonga Mangrele was killed in Enkanini informal settlement during a raid by a large police contingent. We chat to Abashadi's president, Spuzi Kode, to hear more about the situation. Uh, my name is Bo Uzikote. I am the president of the Shark Dwellers Movement of South Africa, Abahlali Basem Jondo. Abahlali Basem Jondolo is a grassroots democratic movement of the Shark Dwellers and the impoverished in South Africa. We were formed in 2005 to fight for, protect, promote, and advance the interest and the dignity of the Shark Dwellers and the poor. Our vision is that ABM struggles to build a just and equal society based on respect and dignity for all humankind. This is what we want to see, uh, the equality and the just society. That's very important to us as a movement. But our focus is obviously on land, decent housing and dignity for all. So as Abakhlaria has grown over the years, the movement has you know, definitely experienced increasing attacks, threats, violence, and sadly killing of prominent leaders and members of the movement, you know, and why we are chatting to you today is because just in the last two weeks, Abba Khlali has sadly lost another two leaders who have been brutally murdered. Can you tell us a bit more about this and, you know, what's been happening on the ground? Yes, um, Abakhali has survived uh, serious repressions, you know, over the years uh, from the start of our movement. The state has been very hostile to us. We have been beaten. We have been um, arrested, tortured in the police custody, and and we have lost comrades who have been killed during the course of our struggle. Now, on the 8th of March um, last week, uh, in a broad daylight at around 3 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, four gunmen arrived in the Ekenana uh, commune, which is one of our occupation um, that has been uh, protected by the court order. We actually have a court in target um, to make sure that the municipality doesn't uh, evict that community um, because they have survived several evictions that were violent, often at a gunpoint, and people who have, have scars, you know, for um, more than 30 evictions that were faced by this community. However, on the 8th of March, um, four gunmen arrived in the settlement, and Lindogu Mungoni 
and Ayandangila, um, the local leaders and activists in Ekenana, were busy um, fixing the pipe for the irrigation as they were working on the community garden. Now, the four gunmen um, just opened fire um, um, and um, the two activists tried to run away. Uh, Linda Guthemguni was shot a number of times uh, and he was lucky that he managed to escape. However, Ayandangila, uh, who was with Linda Guthemguni, um, was shot um, to death and he died on the scene. Now, this happened on the broad daylight. Communities watching, women and children were watching. Now, um, the women of Akenana and children are still going through a lot of nightmares and trauma after mm -hmm. witnessing the murder of Ayandangila. Uh, we are still dealing with, the, um, with this pain that has really traumatized mm -hmm. the community. So Ayandangila is no more. Um, his assassins, those who killed him, um, are known, two of them are known in the community. Um, the police have not arrested them and the police have not even been seen in the settlement for that matter to provide you know, some form of protection uh, so that mm -hmm. the community at least can feel that they are safe when they see a police are patrolling on the street. However, in Ekenana, the police are not there um, up until today since the murder. I mean, the communities have seen uh, the um, suspect um, a number of times wandering the street of Ekenana carrying guns. So they are doing it as they please because they seem to be enjoying the support of the local police station who have done absolutely nothing about this killing. Now, this happened on the 8th of March. Now, two days later, on the Friday, the 11th of March, in a nearby settlement called Enganini, another activist was gunned down now by the police, allegedly by the police who masked their face. They came to raid in this community and arrested four activists. And one of those activists was a woman. Now, when this woman was arrested, his husband wasn't in the house. Um, when they dragged the woman outside, then he, her husband arrived and then the police um, just shot her husband uh, to death. So we are facing with these two murders just in one week. And obviously mm -hmm. this coming weekend, the two activists will be laid to rest. One will be laid mm -hmm. to rest in the Eastern Cape in, in, at Port St. John and one in the northern part of KwaZulu-Natal in Esho. Mm. And in terms of these last two killings, um, why have these two members been specifically targeted? Well, I mean, the activists were basically targeted. They had received death threats uh, before. Uh, they've been targeted because of their role in the movement. These are not just members, but these are activists, but also leaders of um, Abatlali branch of Ekenana. Uh, who have been targeted. So a few questions coming out of what you've just explained. You know, it's been said that the assassins are known. So who is it that is targeting and attacking Abakhlali and 
what is the motive behind this you know where does the hostility come from well, just nearby the community, there is a family known as the Ngubane family. And uh, this is the family that has um, enjoyed the support and they occupy leadership within the African National Congress, the ruling party. Now, the Ngubane family has also been instructing the police um, what to do, for instance, who to arrest, who not to arrest. If members of, of the community of Ekenana opens the cases against the Sungubane, because there's been several attempts uh, to, um, you know, kill people here. There's been several uh, activists that have been assaulted. Uh, uh, the same family has been implicated now, each, including the burning of two homes of women. So we've seen this coming. I mean, just... A day, two days before the murder of Ayanda, um, the same family had attacked some members in the Kenana who were seriously um, assaulted. In fact, they were they were chopped uh, with, with an axe. Um, they had to, you know, uh, they had to be hospitalized after they were seriously injured. Just mm -hmm. two days before the murder of Ayanda, so there's a well-known family in the area that is very authoritarian, um, mm. leading the National Congress, but also telling the police what to do. I mean, we have evidence where this particular family, where police will actually phone this man, Mr. Ngubane, asking him whether or not they should open a case, um, of, you know, of the victims of Kenana. So this has been reported not only um, to senior police officers, we have reported these matters. Also, I personally made a call to the Minister of Police in South Africa, Mr. Begitele, back in, um, in October last year, um, pleading with him that he intervene in the tangents that we've seen growing in Ekanana, which has led to what we have seen last week. There's obviously a lack of accountability and, and a culture of impunity that I'm hearing um, within the police. Uh, and so naturally, you know, I would understand that um, you would appeal to to higher forces with, within the police. In, in terms of just you know the last two weeks and and also previous killings of of Abahlali members, has there been any accountability and and has there been any any justice served? At what lengths have have Abahlali leaders had to go to um, to try and attain justice for you know for these brutal murders? Well, um, I think it's worth mentioning that the two last killing make the 21 activists and leaders of Abakali that have been killed since 2009. So we've lost 21 activists. And in yep. these 21 activists that have, have been killed, we've received justice only on two occasions, where the first one, the Etewini municipality, African National Congress councillors were found guilty by the Deben High Court and they are saving life imprisonment as we speak. Um, you find that authorities who are meant to be the custodians of our democracy at the mm -hmm. city government level being found guilty of murdering uh, Tulinlovu, our women chairperson in Gwandengese, uh, mm -hmm. together with their gunmen. Uh, the second instance where we were able to secure justice was when the 17-year-old Nobilenzuza of Catocrest was also shot to death, uh, to death um, on her back. I mean, this is 
a young girl of her 17 years um, unprovoked the police just fire a bullet. So there was a police officer that was also found guilty and was sentenced to 10 years. Now, 21 people have lost their lives. Only on two occasions were able to receive justice. And the rest of the people that died in the hands of either in the hands of the police, local politicians, and their hitmen is in Gabi, or your land invasion units, um, the security guards that um, work for, for the ministry. So the Ngubane guy that um, controls the police force, he does not only end there. He has um, another Ngubane person who is a chief magistrate um, who's, who somehow um, related to this Ngubane. Each time uh, activists appear in court, this guy, um, the Ngubane, NS Ngubane, will be seen um, entering the offices of the chief magistrate. Now, that it, that's on its own makes us to suspect that this man does not only enjoy the support of the police, the politicians, but he enjoyed the support of some senior uh, court officials, which is really problematic. And for that, we don't uh, think that we will ever get justice as long as you have people of this of, of that nature who works together with the people who are implicated in serious crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we have um, um, reported also these um, allegations to the director of public prosecution uh, to advocate uh, Shamila Badoi, who heads the NPA, that we suspect that the court is no longer uh, impartial given the um, what is seen as a complexity of the Ngubane individuals in the courtroom during the uh, court proceedings. So this is very disturbing. So we are hoping that the NPA mm-hmm. is inv- investigating uh, these uh, allegations against the chief magistrate who happens to um, befriendly uh, Ngubane, who is very problematic in our community. And... Um... You know, so I'm, I'm hearing the, that the ANC, which is the ruling party, um, is obviously driving a lot of the, the violence against Abahlali. Um, why do you think that, you know, the ANC, the police, see the movement as a threat? Well, about people of South Africa, <clears throat> excuse me, and the world would know that when the liberation movement took power in 1994, like the ANC, we all thought, and the, the ANC itself thought that it was the vanguard of our revolution. Uh, we thought that um, it represented the people, the so-called people. Now, mm. Abahali have successfully organized outside the African National Congress. Abahali have organized outside the state. And we know that some of the people within the ruling party are not happy about this because they think speaking on behalf of their poor and representing their poor is their jobs and therefore nobody else has a right to speak and organize the poor. So this organizing outside the state control and outside the ANC is regarded as an offense by many within the ANC. Now, organizing the unorganized to a point that Abakali has managed to expose high-ranking, uh, uh, high 
ranking politicians who are implicated in corruption has been a thorn on the ANC that we have exposed corrupt politicians and we have named and shamed those uh, politicians. And they often tell us in our faces that they are there uh, in government, in the legislature or in city council to eat for us. They are there to eat on our behalf. Now, anyone like Abakhali, we expose them or disturb them from eating for us. Mm. We face uh, the threat of such violence that Abakhali is facing today. So this mm-hmm. is why Abakhali is seen as a threat because the scale at which Abakhali has organized itself speaks volume. It threatens those that are in power, uh, mm-hmm. especially that they think that they are the only voice for, for the poor. So they represent people as the Freedom Charter, one of the famous documents in South Africa, suggests mm-hmm. that the people shall govern. Now, mm-hmm. the ANC thought that it was the people or the only party that represent the people. Now, this is a big slap on their faces when poor Black African people wants to speak for themselves because they have no longer have any confidence on the ruling party. And these are also characteristics of what happens when a liberation movement begins to lose power. You would understand that the ANC has lost number of metro uh, uh, metros mm-hmm. in this country and therefore um, are afraid that they are likely to lo- lose power. And this organizing of Abakhali is really um, um, a driving force for people to realize that the ANC is no longer a vehicle uh, for change in this country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how how has the movement, you know, managed and dealt with the increasing um, amount of threats and violence? How has that impacted the movement, firstly, and and how how have you guys dealt with that? Well, these ongoing threats, intimidation, and killing have impacted the movement very negatively. Uh, it has created, of course, fear. It has created distrust amongst activists. Um, it has created um, discomfort. And of course, loss of life have really meant that families uh, go through a very uh, difficult um, situation. Many of them are traumatized. Um, it's, it's a huge damage. Uh, um, um, it has caused personal costs not only on the people who have been arrested, kept in prison for almost six months without any evidence against them, but it has really um, destroyed um, uh, families' um, unity, um, as well as uh, really creating uncertainty within the movement, but also at a personal cost to those who have suffered imprisonment, but also those whose lives have been lost. So this has been really um, a difficult time for a movement. What we have done, however, um, to deal with this, firstly, um, Abakali have exposed, publicly exposed uh, these uh, threats, these killings, these lies. Uh, We have issued a number of press statements in order for the people of South Africa and the world to know what we are going through. And for those who care enough to take action, uh, which is why we want to take uh, this opportunity as well to appreciate 
uh, the solidarity that we are receiving from the region and from across the world, people are really uh, taking action in standing in solidarity with the Bahrain. Mm. And I'm sure that as the president of the movement, you have obviously had your own experiences of being targeted um, and, and threatened and attacked. Would you, would you like to share any of your own experiences? And share a few personal experiences. I basically had my uh, own turn uh, in terms of the threats that have been directed to me. I was uh, once living under the shadow of death, uh, not once, I mean, even currently, uh, one is not safe. Um, there has been a number of attempts to my life, including um, interfering with the vehicle that I drive, and I escaped a serious incident, you know, on the N2 freeway. And of course, the mechanic and the car dealer uh, did um, confirm that there was a, um, an attempt, um, um, somebody tampered with the vehicle. Of course, there has been a number of people, unknown vehicles following me. And um, this was even confirmed by the intelligent um, agency um, of this country. Uh, that my life was really at, uh, in grave um, um, danger. So it is unfortunate that people who really care about this country, who care about humanity, um, have to live under the shadow of death. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that those of us who really um, have deep love for our humanity, deep love for our country, um, oh, yeah. uh, seen as a threat uh, mm. when we are advocating for the right of others. So we mm. so wish that the democratic principles and values of, of, of the country can be acknowledged and those who really lead the strategy to emancipate the, the working class can their life also be respected because mm -hmm. we're also playing a bigger role in terms of making sure that justice, inequality, respect, dignity becomes uh, the order of the day and everyone enjoys the rights uh, that are enshrined in our constitution, in, our constitution, in the internal laws. Mm, mm, mm. Smooth, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And once again, we express our sincerest condolences on the loss of your comrades. Are there any last words uh, that you would like to share with us? Yes, I think it's important to note that the Abakhal Basam Jondolo is under attack, and the attack comes from the state and from the local um, ANC uh, uh, leaders. However, what um, worries us is the silence of the ANC leadership. What worries us is the silence of the uh, police um, senior officials, uh, including the minister. What is also disturbing is the inaction of the South African Human Rights Commission, who have been reported on the issue, um, because we've seen this coming. As I said earlier on, the minister was informed mm -hmm. as early as in October last year, um, the one of the activists in Cape Town who was for uh, um, um, COVID-19, uh, Monica, 
uh, uh, came to Ekenana and made a very detailed report and submitted it to uh, the South African, South African Human Rights Commission. Uh, Commissioner Nissan is aware of, of this. Um, they were asked, mm-hmm. like last year, to intervene. They have done nothing. But of course, when violation of human rights happens in Cape Town, we see the South African Human Rights Commission jumping. Now mm-hmm. we realize that because Cape Town happens to be run by the DA, in other provinces like Wazulatal, where the ANC is implicated, then the South African Human Rights Commission uh, is not willing to act. I mean, we have the South African Human Rights Commission offices just around the corner from our office, but they've never said a word. They have been silenced since mm-hmm. the killing of the first activist of Obatlan. And mm. we have informed the director of public prosecution. And we ask ourselves, what's the point of having these chapter nine institutions when poor people are brutally murdered? Uh, the level of impunity is this high. So these are issues of concern. We are appealing for support. We are appealing for progressive um, individuals and organizations, institutions. Uh, to help us through reporting these uh, attack to the highest authority in South Africa. The Office of the Presidency needs to be aware what is happening because the Minister of Police have failed us, not even willing to protect lives. We have seen that he is not just a Minister of Police, but he is a Minister of the Elites. Only those who enjoy support um, of the police, of the Minister, would be people that have money. So lives of black people in South Africa count for nothing. So we are appealing that the organizations and all progressive individuals help us report these crimes, put pressure on government, those institutions that are supposed to be our custodians, our democracy uh, should act, failing which um these um, institutions should be disbanded if they have no role to play. You can't have people met up with impunity. And everyone is quiet, including the working class. People are silent about this. It is really concerning. If this is allowed to be normalized in our society, I am afraid that this country is heading to a brink of catastrophe where lives of ordinary people, particularly the working class people, um, are just... Um, 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 you know, uh, vandalized. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rights on the Line. Visit www.frontlinedefenders.org to listen to other interesting episodes. Subscribe and share.